Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. We have been in a relationship series. This is our second week. And a lot of times, if you're single or you know you don't really care about the relationship series, we have a tendency to tune out and say, hey, that doesn't apply to me. I don't care. I've been married for 94 years. It doesn't matter. I know everything there is to know about relationships. I don't need to, to engage in this sermon. Um, can I tell you that no matter where you are in life, whether you're married, whether you're dating, whether you're engaged, there are principles in these sermons that can apply to us as followers of Christ. Right, As we are growing, we should be changing. And so um, as followers of Christ, our relationships should look different. They should be healthy. Like for instance, last week, Pastor Justin kind of talked a little bit more to the married people, but there are still points that you can draw from if you're not, even if you're not married. One of his points is that you've got to decide to grow up and choose mature love. That doesn't, married if you're, or it doesn't matter if you're married. Um, as we are growing, right, my love towards others as a 35-year-old should look different than it did as an uh, like 11-year-old. Um, our, our love, our attitude should look different. His second point was something like, put your spouse first or they will feel last. If you don't have a spouse, just substitute that word spouse for others. Jesus, same, Jesus said that the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He tells us that those that are last shall be first, right? That no greater love has someone they would lay down their life for a friend. So, so yes, right? Put others first or they will feel last. So there are principles that you can take from these messages, even if you're single, even if you have no prospects, even if um, there is no uh, options on the horizon, there are still principles about godly relationships and how we should be functioning as followers of Christ. So don't check out, stay tuned in. So um, today we are continuing on with our Love Guru series. We're not talking about sex, so let's hop into it. We're gonna be starting off in Matthew chapter six, Verses 31 through 33, this is kind of gonna be our jumping off scripture. Um, We're gonna read this and then kind of everything that we talk about is gonna fall under this, under the umbrella of this scripture. Then we're gonna circle back and uh, talk about our response to that. So Matthew chapter six, verse 31 says this. This is Jesus talking in the Sermon on the Mount, talking to a lot of people. He said, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all that you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today, and we are so thankful that we get to dig into your word. God, I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to be transformed by you. God, that we would learn what it means to live in godly relationships. 
And God, that we would be different after hearing and digesting your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So um, if I'm really bored and if the power goes out of my house and my phone dies and we've played all the card games that we know to play and we've played all the board games that we know to play, if all of that has happened, then I absolutely love to do puzzles. So I'm not a huge puzzle fan is what I'm trying to say. However, there was a time a couple of years ago where Aubrey and I went through this phase where we were doing puzzles. You know, for six months, you know, we, we knocked, you know, three or four puzzles out and, and in six months, you're like, that's really slow. We wouldn't spend hours at a time. We'd take 30, 45 minutes in an evening. We'd say, hey, let's turn off the TV. Let's put some music on. Let's talk. Let's put together a puzzle. And since I'm not a huge puzzle fan, one way that she roped me in was she said, we can do puzzles that interest us. So um, she was smart and she got some comic book puzzles, which are awesome. And because I'm a loving husband, she got some Star Wars puzzles that I um, helped her with. And, uh, and so we would just spend the evenings doing puzzles and it was awesome. And so I remember one time we opened up this brand new puzzle. We, we cut the box um, and there's like a plastic bag with 1,500 puzzle pieces. And so we start doing it. We start doing the edges first. Hey, there's more than one way to do a puzzle. If you wanna do all the inside pieces, that's fine, right? There's no judgment here. It's okay even if you do it wrong. But we're start, we start putting the edges together. I do a section, she does a section and we start giving each other, hey, I think this piece goes there. I think that piece goes there. And over the course of you know a, a couple of weeks, we get towards the end of the puzzle. And, uh, and like a good husband, whenever we would do the puzzles, I would always like hide a piece so I could put the last piece in. She's like, where is it? And I'm like, ha ha, it's right here. And I would finish the puzzle. But on this particular puzzle, we get to the end and there's one piece left and we can't find it. It's a brand new puzzle. We just opened the bag. We don't have any kids at this time. We had a dog who might've eaten it. I don't know, but we can't find this one puzzle piece. We're looking around and we have a 1,499 piece puzzle missing one piece. That's so frustrating. You have a nearly complete puzzle and that one piece goes specifically to that puzzle. I can't go get another random piece out of another puzzle, right? It won't fit that picture. It won't fit that spot. There is a specific place for that puzzle piece. I know there have been times in my life where things seem to be going great. I've got a fantastic wife. I've got a job that I love. I've got family close. I've got friends around me. Like things just seem to go well, but there's something like gnawing away, something that I can't quite put my finger on. It just feels like something's missing. It feels like something's off and, I, and it's hard to explain, but maybe you felt that way. And you're just like driving to work and there just seems to almost to be like an emptiness. And you start to think, you're like, what possibly could this be? Like everything's going well. St. Augustine wrote this. He said, for thou hast made us for thyself and our hearts are restless till they rest in thee. Now, if you don't speak King James and the whole thee, thine, thou, and all that stuff, um, a, a philosopher several years later, French philosopher, kind of reshaped this, repurposed that saying to make it a little bit more easier to understand. He said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the creator made known through Jesus Christ. If you're like me, you still need it dumbed down just a little bit more, right? So you've got St. Augustine saying, thee, thou, thine, whatever. Then you've got this other guy talking about Swiffers and um, you know, these, these vacuum cleaners in your heart. And you're like, what does that mean? To dumb it down a little bit more, if you're like me, I, I've heard it said that there is a God-shaped hole in the heart of every individual and that hole can only be filled by Jesus Christ. So maybe we're on the same page now, right? 
It's like our, our life is a puzzle piece and there's a God-shaped puzzle piece that we can try to put different things in, but it, just like a normal puzzle, that whatever we try to put in God's place doesn't work. Maybe you remember Justin talking about the myth of more. Man, I, I just need more of this and that will complete me. That will make me satisfied. That will make me whole, right? I need more money. I need a new career. I need a new house. I need new clothes, right? I need, I need, I need, I need more, more, more only to realize that we are left empty because what we're trying to do is to put things into a spot that is reserved for God. Our hearts are restless until they find rest in him. This morning, I wanna take a few minutes just to talk about that topic. Talk about the idea of the missing piece, right? The restless heart that God shaped whole in our hearts. And since we're in a relationship series, we're gonna talk about how relationships can try to take the place of God, try to fill that God-shaped hole. We could talk about how material things, how money, how career, right? We can talk about all those things, but since we are in a relationship series, we're gonna focus on that. So I guess we would have to start by asking like, why is it that we try to substitute those things for God? Because um, a relationship is not a bad thing, right? A relationship isn't a bad thing. We were created for relationships, God walked with Adam and Eve in, in the cool of the night or cool of the day in the Garden of Eden, right? When Adam was created, God said, hey, it's not good for man to be alone. We were created for relationships. Relationships are not a bad thing if it's a healthy relationship. If it's a bad relationship, yeah, obviously there's, there's uh, um, you know, you've got different variables there, but, but healthy relationships are not a bad thing. But what I believe that we are doing when we are, are seeking relationships um, what I think that the relationships that we're seeking, they're kind of a shadow of the perfect thing, right? The relationships that we want here on earth, they're a shadow of a relationship that we have with God, right? Our hearts know that we were created for relationship with God first and foremost, but what we might want is we want to shrug off that, that seeking after God and we want to chase after something tangible. I, I wanna hear someone's voice. I want to, to hold someone's hand. I want to see their face, right? I want this tangible relationship. So we give up or we try to substitute earthly relationships for what God offers. But here's the deal. We are made complete in Christ. We are made whole in Christ, right? There is, a, we are alive in Christ and someone who is seeking a relationship. Yeah, I know all that, but let me stop you right there. There shouldn't be a but after that statement, right? There should never be something that's Jesus and, no, it's Jesus and that's it. We're good, we're set, we are alive, we are whole in Christ. So we've gotta be careful not to hold up relationships or a pursuit of a relationship, not to hold it up as an idol in our life. So, if we're doing that, right, if we're seeking after relationships, if they're starting to move up the list of priorities and they start to overtake God, there's gotta be something beneficial. There's gotta be something that we want. So today we're gonna look at some of the things that we might want in a relationship. And there's a, a, a huge thing, a huge list of things that we might want in a relationship. We're only gonna look at a few um, because we don't have all day. So um, what is it that we want in a relationship? I think one of the first things that we want is we want friendship. Man, I absolutely love my wife. I have a blast with her. We love traveling together. We love uh, just spending time together. Uh, her, one of her love languages is quality time. And it's awesome that it is because we enjoy each other's company. 
Like we have a blast, we have a great time. I love being around her, she's my best friend. And if you're married or if you're dating, I hope you found something similar. I hope you found someone who you can say, this is my best friend, this is my companion. One of the first things that you probably asked yourself after you said, mm, is she fine? One of the first things you probably asked yourself is, do I enjoy spending time with this person? If not, why would you be around them? We all know a lot of attractive people that have terrible personalities and totally like are just like, I don't wanna spend any time with them because I just can't stand their personality, right? Do you enjoy being around them? We long for companionship. We long for friendship. Here's the thing is those qualities can be found in Christ. Those qualities of friendship, of companionship can be found in Christ. When Joshua was taking over from Moses, after Moses had passed away, Joshua chapter one is, is like God encouraging and, and, and building up Joshua's confidence. He is just following Moses, who was this incredible leader who led the nation of Israel out of slavery, like right on the doorsteps of the promised land. And God's like, all right, Joshua, you're up. You're up, it's your turn. And in, in Joshua chapter one, verse nine, God says this, he says, this is my command, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Don't you guys want friends like that? Friends that are with you wherever you go, friends that have got your back in the good times, in the bad times. Guess what? That is what God says he is. God is saying, hey, don't be afraid, be courageous. I've got your back, I'm there for you. I am not going to leave you. I'm with you. As Jesus was having his last meal with the disciples in John chapter 15, he tells his disciples this. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the father has told me. Man, when we look for companionship or friendship, we look for someone to have our back, it can be found in Christ. When we are walking with God, we are friends of God. Jesus says, I call you friends if you do what I command. Man, that thing that we are searching for in an earthly relationship can be found with our heavenly father if we follow his commands. We don't have to search for it. We don't have to try to fit that missing puzzle piece of a friendship, of a relationship, because it can be found in Christ. The second thing I would say that we want in a relationship is we want to feel valued, right? We wanna feel valued when you have someone that likes spending time with you. That's awesome. That's fantastic. It boosts your self-confidence. You're like, hey, at least someone doesn't find me completely annoying and they wanna spend time with me. Yes, I, I, I'm worth something to somebody. It's like the jerk with Steve Martin, right? When he gets his name in the phone book, he's like, I'm somebody now, right? Whenever you have a friend, it makes you feel valuable. But that, that feeling, that chasing of value can easily try to replace the value that is found in Christ, right? We can, we can try to get as many friends or, or, or get a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife to add value to our lives. But if we're trying to fill that missing part with something that was never meant to fit, then we're gonna to continue to feel incomplete. It might satisfy for a moment, but eventually it's going to let you down. Because at the end of the day, if we are putting a relationship ahead of God or putting a relationship in God's place, those relationships are a twisted, distorted view of what God offers. Yeah, we're created in the image of God, absolutely, but we're also fallen and messed up. And so what I have to offer at the end of the day is gonna 
uh, pale in comparison to what Christ offers. If you want to you know what your real worth is, we can see it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 and 27. Jesus is talking. He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And here's the line. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? Isn't that incredible? God takes care of the birds. He takes care of the, the, the animals. And, and he's, the, Jesus is saying, you are so much more valuable to God than those birds and those animals. And God will take care of you. God's got you. If you're struggling with feeling like worthless or nobody likes you or nobody cares for you, if you're struggling with that, I would encourage you to turn to Psalm 139. And I'm gonna read verse one through 18. It's a good chunk, but it is so powerful when we talk about the value that God places on our lives. This was written, written by David and he says this. He says, oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or when I stand up, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and you see me when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of morning, if I dwell by the furthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and lights are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Man, talk about the value and the worth that is found in Christ. What a description that God sees you and he's with you and he's encouraging you and lifting you up and you can't hide from him. How awesome is that that the creator of the universe values me and he values you like that. Sometimes we gauge our worth on what we get, especially if you're in a relationship. Man, how much did this engagement ring cost? What did I get for Valentine's Day? Those stupid commercials around Christmas where people get his and her vehicles. And I'm like, congratulations, you're $100,000 in debt. Whoopee, like that's awesome, right? That's insane. When we value our worth, he loves me, he bought me a car, he went to Jared's or whatever those stupid commercials are, right? That's how we put our value. How much are they willing to spend on me? But if we want to see how valuable we are, man, we don't have to look any further than the cross that Christ was crucified on the cross where he, he took our punishment and he took our shame and he said, I love you this much as he laid his life down in our place. 
And this is what I'm talking about when I say trying to put a piece of a puzzle that doesn't fit. You are trying to put value that other people that I would give to Aubrey, that she would give to me, or that a relationship that you're trying to put that value into a spot that only God can occupy. And it is not going to come anywhere close to fitting or fulfilling or satisfying what you're looking for. It'll only leave you empty. And the last thing in a relationship, what we want is we want to be loved. All right, we want to be loved. Can you think back to like your first boyfriend or your first girlfriend? It's like your senses were, were heightened like the sun was brighter, ice cream tastes better, your buddy the elf, you're like, I'm in love and I'm in love and I don't care who knows it, right? You were on top of the world. Bruno Mars would come on and he's like, when I see your face, and you're like, that's right, baby, there's not a thing I would change because you're amazing. Mm, baby, you're amazing just the way you are, right? And it was, it was awesome to be feeling that, oh, to be young and in love or what we thought was love at the time. But guess what? What we thought was love was probably infatuation. It was probably lust and those feelings and those emotions that were up here begin to fade and you move from like Bruno Mars and you throw back to TLC and you're like, I don't want no scrubs, like get out of my life, right? And you realize that it really wasn't love to begin with. But as you grow up and as you get married and, and your love matures, like Pastor Justin talked about last week, you realize what love really is. You realize that love endures all things, that it is patient. You realize, you, you, you realize that there is sacrifice, there is serving in love, right? And that love grows. But you know what? No matter how much I love my wife, no matter how much she loves me, my love is imperfect and her love is imperfect because we are imperfect people. And trying to put that missing piece of love into a spot that only God can occupy is like when Indiana Jones was trying to like take the little idol and he was like measuring out the sand. He's like, I think I got it. And you try to put it on top and then the whole temple crumbles and there's a boulder chasing you down the, down the hallway because you didn't take the trash out, right? It just, it turns out ugly. Man, we can't put these things in place of God. You wanna see what real love is. Famous verse, John three sixteen, For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. One of my favorite verses, Romans 5, 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Perfect love is God coming to earth, dying on a cross so that we can be reconciled to him. That's what perfect love is. Man, all of these things that we want in a relationship, we want friendship, we wanna feel valued, we want love. We could talk about intimacy. We could talk about significance. We could talk about purpose. We could talk about um, being listened to and being heard. We can talk about all those things, but here at the end of the day, what we are trying to avoid when it comes to relationships is not putting anything in God's place. It applies if you're single, married, or dating, right? That person that you are engaged to, that person that you're married to, that person that you're dating, that person cannot be an idol, right? That person can never give you the attention. They can never give you the value. They can never give you the love. They can never give you the friendship. They can never give you the intimacy. They can never give you anything like that. Only God can be that missing piece. Our hearts are restless until they find rest in him. In his book, The Pursuit of God, A.W. Tozer writes this, he said, things have become necessary to us. 
a development never originally intended. God's gifts now take the place of God and the whole course of nature is upset by this monstrous substitution. Michael, you're talking about a relationship taking the place of God. That is ridiculous. That could never happen. That's where, like, are you just trying to like fill in and get material for a sermon because like Justin asked you to? No, Can I, let's, let's take a, a little walk back to Genesis chapter 22, the story of Abraham and Isaac. Where Abraham had prayed and prayed and prayed for a son. He knew that God had promised him descendants that were too numerous to count and yet he had no children. And God said, be faithful, you're gonna have a son. Abraham's pushing 100 years old. He's like, all right, God, whatever. Fast forward nine months, his wife has a kid. Props to Abraham. Boom, you and Sarah still getting it at 100 years old. Good for you, right? Has a kid at 100 years old, and very, very quickly, Abraham begins to idolize his son. Abraham begins to idolize his son. Does he have him on his mantle like a little golden calf in worshiping? No. But in Isaac is everything precious that Abraham wanted. In Isaac are the promises of God fulfilled. In Isaac are are years and years of prayer. In Isaac is the beginning of his descendants. And as Isaac grows older, Abraham's love for him only deepens and the place that was reserved for God quickly becomes replaced by Isaac and God has to intervene. If you know the story, you know that God tells Abraham, hey, I need you to sacrifice your son as a burnt offering. The Bible doesn't tell us what that night looks like where Abraham is in anguish and agony, crying out to God, no, 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 no. There's gotta be a different way. Like this, this can't be, this can't be happening. A father having to sacrifice his one and only son. But the morning comes and Abraham gets Isaac and said, hey, let's go worship the Lord. He takes the materials, he takes Isaac, and Isaac's old enough to know something's going on because he looks around and says, dad, where's the animal to sacrifice? And Abraham simply says, God will provide. Abraham and Isaac go up to the mountaintop. They prepare the altar. Abraham binds Isaac's hands and feet and lays him on the altar. And the Bible says that as the knife was in Abraham's hand, God says, okay, stop, stop. Now that I see that you're willing to sacrifice your only son, we can move forward. In a very extreme manner, God had to remove Isaac from the place that he held in Abraham's heart. So don't tell me that relationships cannot become an idol, that they can't take the place of God in our hearts. When it comes to the 10 commandments, we're like, yeah, of course I'm not gonna kill anybody, duh, right? Of course I'm not gonna steal, I'm not gonna lie. I'll I'll honor the Sabbath, I'll go to church, I'll honor my mom and dad, I'll do those things, right? Yeah, of course, sure. But when it comes to having no idols before God, that's where it gets a little murky because we think of like this little Buddha statue on our fireplace mantle that we're lighting incense to and praying to. No, 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 no. An idol is anything that takes the place of God in your hearts. And for some of us, our marriages our pursuit of a a guy or a girl, our desire to be in a relationship have quickly taken the place of God. And relationships in and of themselves are not bad, but when they take God's place, that's when there's a problem. So I go back to that first scripture we read in Matthew chapter six. 
And Jesus says, don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. In verse 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else, live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. Do you know what is, you know who's, who's consumed by the thoughts of stuff? Do you know who's consumed by the thoughts of what they're gonna wear, what they're gonna eat, what they're gonna drink, who they're gonna date, what their life's gonna be like in five, 10 years? Are they gonna be single the rest of their life? Do you know who, who's, whose thoughts, who's dominated by those thoughts? The Bible says unbelievers. Unbelievers are dominated by those thoughts. Jesus tells us to put things in the right order. Put things in the right order. Remove those idols, push them to the side and say, hey, no, 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 what am I gonna do? I'm going to seek the kingdom of God above all else. I'm gonna live righteously. And guess what? Then God will give you everything you need. But I want you to understand something. Not everything you want, but everything you need. I'll end with this verse. John finishes his book of 1 John with this one verse. 1 John chapter 5, verse 21. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. We're in a relationship series. So yeah, we were focusing on relationships. But guess what? There's a lot of things that can take God's place in our heart. It might be a relationship. It might be stuff. It might be an addiction. I don't know what it is. But can I tell you whatever it is, John tells us to stay away from it. Stay away from it. I would much rather avoid that, those things than have God do what he did with Abraham and have to rip it out of my heart. Man, let's pray. God, we come before you this morning. God, in our prayer is that we would seek you first. God, that we would live righteously. God, and then you would give us everything we need. God, I pray that whatever is in our heart that might be holding your place, that we would remove it and put you back on the throne where you belong. God, our hearts are gonna continue to be restless until they are found in you. God, we thank you for being patient with us. God, thank you for being merciful. God, forgive us for whatever we have put in your place. Let us remove it and let us seek you in all that we do. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv.
We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv. Thank you.